0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. When you're raising a daughter, you hear a lot about the way we speak to them and what we expect of them. Language, after all, shapes who we become. So what kind of impact do our preconceived ideas about boys have on our sons? And are any of them true? Maggie Dent is a parenting educator, an author, and a dispenser of practical advice when it comes to raising boys. And to those who know her, she's a bit of a rock star parenting guru. (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> and she cringing. doesn't she doesn't like being referred to that way. Hi Maggie. Hello, Siobhan. You? And hello everyone. I thought we'd start I've basically got a list of things mm. I thought we could go through because there's some general ideas. Yep. yep. Let's start with the big one. Boys don't cry. Uh look, <clears throat> as we're talking about boys today, let's just make
1: sure we know that there is A wide spectrum and that we statistically significant numbers of boys are very similar, but we do have some at either end that are a little different. So keep that in mind if this isn't about your boy. Um, Okay, so boys don't cry. Well, that's really a pile of poop. (laughs) <laughs> to be really sorry, to be really honest. Um, what we actually do know is and this is this and I you know one of my passions is to be able to decode the myth that we still have around them. and um, I was just doing a seminar in Sydney last night and a mum came up and um, was sharing how she's concerned in her long daycare that um, just a couple of the particularly young uh, educators uh, tell her son when he cries to stop crying or go and sit in the corner till you stop crying. So, you know, there's all these alarm bells that ring in me because um, crying is actually an expression of, of vulnerable feelings. It's 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 actually something that gets shut down in boys quite quickly still because of there's that perception of the old male code that says men are not supposed to cry, therefore boys are not supposed to cry. And I've met men much later in life with um, enormous amounts of grief that were never allowed to be processed. And, of course, they've often turned into anger and rage or the trigger for addiction, um, you know, and aggression. So again, yes, they absolutely do. And we need to be really mindful that we're not letting them hear those messages from other people that say that boys, you know, don't cry. And also my work around boys and men, um, um, you know, I'm a female, but I'm a kind of part bloke because I spend a lot of my childhood (laughs) with my dad. Um, And I know that I used to think boys don't feel They don't feel stuff, you know. Um, In actual fact, they feel just as intensely as, as us women, but they can't always identify what the feeling is until they've gone away and processed it and worked out what it is. So again, you can often have a boy who can get really upset hours after an event, and you'll think, ''What the heck is going on here?'' Um, because it takes them a while to work out, is that hurt? Is that um, sadness? Is that anger? And so still we've got this sort of tendency um, that boys have been made to feel uncomfortable or not accepted when they cry. So they'll just go to anger.
0: And something about that, while you were saying that, it just made me think, first I was thinking, okay, let's talk about role modeling and, Mm -hmm. and do I need to be able to allow myself to cry in front of my oh, kids because totally. all parents try yeah. not to because we don't want to upset oh, it's them. One of the,
1: it's one of the most amazing things that I hear so often that we're all, we're all trying to be the best parent we can be. And you know that I'm a really huge fan of Good enough, imperfect parenting, Siobhan.
0: So <laughs> I love that about those you. Those out there
1: who, who haven't met me, there were nights um, that we did have toasted sandwiches for dinner and or cereal, um, you know, and I have actually accident- <laughs> was going to say, toasted sandwiches are yeah. pretty good in my books. Yes. Yeah, seriously, that's not bad at all. You can put a lot in it. Um, you know, I've shut their fingers in car doors. I've forgotten their lunchbox. I've forgotten book week till the night before and had to draw things on pillowcases and they said it sucked. So I've failed in those moments as well. But one of the things, because I also have a, an incredible background around death and dying I've worked in palliative care, helping people die and facilitating death. I've also um, worked in the funeral industry and I've also, you know, been a celebrant to over 400 funerals. And one of the things I kept noticing was sometimes a child would say to me in my counselling room, why didn't my mummy love her mummy? And I'd say, "What do you think that was? she never cried? So my message to you is that if we're not honest with our emotions in front of our children, and also the bottom line is, of course, a hysteria isn't something I recommend, but at times feeling sad and not brushing it away or hiding in the bedroom and saying, look, mummy's just feeling a bit sad today because I'm a bit overwhelmed with all the stuff going on. And you know, you could help me by giving me a hug. We're, we're already teaching our children about emotional literacy. We're teaching them that sometimes even grown-ups have big, ugly feelings that they get, that they struggle with. And I think that's incredibly important in front of boys because emotions are a bit mysterious to them and it takes them a lot longer to work out what they are. Um, and and yeah. does it
0: make a bigger impact if it's a father that cries? Oh, look, we love both of them.
1: <clears throat> and isn't it a beautiful time to be a father? It's just, oh, my goodness. And, and I look out at my audiences now and there's just so many dads coming and and people sometimes think they're all getting dragged along. And I said, probably only the first time. Um what they're wanting to be is they want to be the dad they wanted when they were a little boy. And if their dad was emotionally distant and tough, they don't want to be that, but they're not quite sure what, what the alternative is. So my challenge is that, you know, if, if we've got boys, we do need positive father figures if we can have them. But the way to get a father to be the loving father he wants to be is not by nagging and criticising him when he's unable to, when he goes to default to his father's way of parenting. Does that make sense? So again, our boys are not only watching their dad. They're also watching their mum. They're also watching people around them. And that's why I want emotional honesty in our classrooms and our schools and those sorts of environments where people are able to talk about, you know, there are times we get really sad with big things and sadness is okay for us to cry and sadness is okay to ask for a hug. These are sorts of things around vulnerability. This is the biggest one we've got to unplug for boys, is that when you're vulnerable, you're not wrong, you're not bad, and that um, we can support boys equally as well as girls because it's a really big one around suicide is that men when they feel really um, incredibly useless and and vulnerable and worthless think it's better if they leave and that's a we need to start that right early so this is one of those things around boys that boys can't cry we need to let them be okay with all their feelings uh, the same as we are with girls Um, and again it's this gradual coaching emotional
0: coaching for all our children you know birth to seven you're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Maggie Dent, who's a parenting educator, author. She um, is really, well, she's great with all kids, but we love speaking to her mm. about boys, particularly because she raised four herself. Yes. <laughs> so she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> um, let's come to another myth. Yep. Um, boys don't play with dolls and or dresses, they don't wear dresses, they yeah, don't dress up. Yeah. There, are, there are some boys, and it's you know it's really fascinating how we do know
1: that um, gender differences are quite fluid. We do know that. But there are some things that we can identify quite early on that boys and girls do a little differently. If you pick up baby girls, apparently they've got studies showing you pick them up out of a, you know, say out of their cot or their bassinet when they're under six months of age. A girls will uh, tend to focus on a face and a boy will look past you looking at the mobile So we've already got those things happening, which means it's going to be a little bit different in the way that they interpret things. And we might not think they're picking up, but they go to play groups and watch what children are doing as well. Now, I tried, cabbage patch dolls were a really big thing, um, and I tried pulling it out of the bottom of the box and putting it back in their face, but no, it wasn't a really big thing. But what I noticed when their girl cousins were around, they would actually often play a game following what the girls were doing, plus the girls were organising the game a bit better. And so there were times they did it, but it wasn't it just it wasn't always their thing. And yet, um and one of the boys, my um youngest, when he'd go to his auntie's um with the two girls and the two other boy cousins, uh, he'd do dress ups, but he wouldn't do dress ups around his around his brothers. So again, it's the opportunities of it being a fun context, but as soon as they get the slightest frown from someone who says, "Ma think they a advance." Um, or you know that sort of stuff. They will shut it down and won't do it. So again, it's about the mixed messages they pick up quite early, and I love it. I love it when I can hear um, from a mum who said their little boy's been wearing a tutu for you know two and a half years, and I go thank you. <laughs> you know that, wherever he's at, it's not about. And it's the same with colours of clothes too. You know, like I'm, you know I've got I've got two lots of grandies, girls and boy a boy. And there are times I just want something neutral in the middle and it's not always easy. We've still got that conditioning, haven't we? Um, And it's, you know, I'm not sort of totally against having toys in certain sections because if I'm looking for a... Certain, you know where to go. I know where to go. kind of it cuts <laughs> all my mean, time. I could be going round and around that shop forever. Um, <laughs> um, but I do think there's that sense that um, we've got to be careful of those little frowns and those little scowls and what's he doing wearing that because it only takes one of those and they won't do it again. So they're very sensitive to picking up, am I doing okay? Is this what a boy's meant to do?
0: One last thing, yeah. because um, I, I will mention here that we are holding on to Maggie after this interview and... Getting her to stay with us for a Facebook Live, so we will go into more questions from you And at that Facebook Live. You just go onto Facebook and look for Kindling. But before I let you go from this particular mm-hmm. interview, Maggie, um, one thing that I'm really curious about is rough and tumble. Yeah. So the idea that this is um, the default setting for boys, is that a myth or is it true? Yeah, it's a complete myth. Seriously.
1: Um and we look at those temperaments. So temperaments in children. The rooster kids, whether they're girls or boys, love rough and tumble. I love a bit of competition. I love a bit of aggro and a bit of force. And they're they're actually trying to work out the code around what's too hard. Um, so I absolutely love it for all children. Rough and tumble, not just as a big big bear, little bear, daddy bear, whatever, with our children, where we build a sense of oh that's too hard, don't do that. But it's also means free. Freedom. So where do we let them rough and tumble and explore without us hovering at their elbow is extremely important for the development of all of our children, which is why I'm a huge nature play advocate for somebody saying, look, can you let them get feral and get out there and do stuff without us? <laughs> they you don't know. need much encouragement, no. do they? <laughs> no. <laughs> and it is very much that, that the autonomy, authentic autonomy um, of children does need to be developed because I think that's one of the things unintentionally from a great place of love. I think um, many parents today kind of um, orchestrate and I think you've got to recognise somewhere in there is a unique sense of self that needs to be developed by own choices and own opportunities and I've had a clinical psychologist thank me for my focus around my play work around that because she said she when she started her work she worked with um, eating disorders and that was 12 to 16 and she now works with children as young as 8 and she said one of the underlying kind of issues it's a complex illness is um, no choices. I wasn't able to be free to build this this way or that way or leave the cubby up for a week and just make the house feral because we had to keep it tidy. And so it's a big message around where are my opportunities for children to be able to be completely free, to be able to create, you know, build things, pull them apart, put them together and not be neat and tidy. And and jump on their siblings.
0: And oh, absolutely. Course, <laughs> and me,
1: actually. I'm sure there's more people. You know, out that's there. how boys show their love. It's called aggression <laughs> nurturance. I just want to run into you and say, I love you. I
0: miss <laughs> you. Sorry if it hurt. Both of my kids do that. <laughs> Maggie, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure, You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode.